0: I had to collect myself before I came up on the stairs. Just the tears were flowing as I was thinking of the goodness of God in our lives. Just a sweet spirit in this place today. And for those that are joining us online, we want to say thank you so much uh, for being with us. I'm excited to share God's word with you on today. Um, I was just thinking about prayer in my life and it took me back to a day that was years ago, but it felt like yesterday. It was Thanksgiving at the Ollie House. And at Thanksgiving, it seems like it was the day that gluttony was permissible uh, turkey and rolls and cornbread dressing and collard greens and pies. And I know some of y'all got hungry and get ready to run for the exits right now, um, but just hang in with me. Anybody relate to Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving's just a wonderful time. But at the Ollie house, something happened in Thanksgiving. It was the prayer before the meal. And, and it was my, my dad. Daddy would pray. And um, sometimes it would be a brief prayer. But other times, like this year, it was a rather lengthy prayer. And, and, and the prayer was one of thanksgiving, not just for the meal, but daddy would begin to reflect on God's goodness and get kind of caught up and forget that uh, there were eight of us sitting around the table ready to eat. Now, my mother had the gift of cooking. My late mother did never attended a cooking school, but you couldn't convince anybody of that. Um, portions were generous. Uh, and as the flavors And if you will, the smells and the aroma that came up from the plate to our nostrils, Uh, six kids at Thanksgiving are not into a long prayer. Amen. So my, 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 my little brother, Jeremy, Jeremy decided prayer time was over. It was in the middle of the prayer that we heard a fork begin to meet the bottom of a plate. And we began to open our eyes only to notice that Jeremy had been going to town on the mashed potatoes and the turkey. And Daddy opened his eyes and uh, in only a way that Daddy could do. We all knew that prayer time was not over and the fork went down. And we finished the prayer, but it was a comical reminder of prayer in the life of the Ali household and as we think about prayer as a church i want to turn our attention to this new series that we're kicking off today and it's called alive without breathing alive without breathing you might be wondering why did we choose that well there's a famous uh, quote People argue whether Martin Luther said it or Martin Luther King, Uh, both are good with me. Uh, But we want to share this quote with you to just kick things off. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible to be alive without breathing. There's this essential element that prayer is the lifeline, it's the lifeblood of us who call ourselves Christ followers. And, and so you might ask, Ed, then, what is prayer? What is prayer? So I was reflecting and doing some research this week. I, I love this definition of prayer that I came across. The prayer is a conscious, personal communication with the God of the universe. The prayer is this conscious and personal, it's, it's, it's a personal communication. It's a conversation that we're having with the God of the universe. And, and I don't know about you, it is overwhelming to think that I, Sinful Ed, can actually talk to God. Some of y'all have a little bit closer walk with Jesus Christ, so we try to stay close to you. But for me, there are moments where I can't even imagine or fathom using words to the God of the universe. And so why are we turning our attention to this? Pastor Dave and our executive team, all of our pastors, our teaching team, our staff, we are in agreement that there is absolutely nothing that we can do in this new ministry year at Willow Creek Community Church and around the world without the power of prayer. Do you agree with me? So this isn't something that is form or fashion. This isn't something that we're just saying. This is something that we're committing the next three weeks of our lives to intentional conversations and prayer. And so let me ask you the question. What's the status for those of you that call yourselves Christians? What is the status of your conversation, your intentional communication with God? See, I didn't ask, what is the status of your prayer life? Because I don't know anyone who wouldn't agree that we could all grow in prayer. That's just a layup. But when you start talking about an intentional conscious relationship, the question is, how is that going uh, with you? So run with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in a familiar passage of Scripture Many people call this passage of Scripture the Lord's Prayer. And while that's nice, cute, and it's in our Bibles, there really couldn't be anything further than from the truth. It really is the disciples' prayer. Because Jesus is sharing a model, not for you to pray every day, but a model of how to pray. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on why we pray. I'm not going to spend a lot of time today on when we pray. I'm going to be committing the bulk of my time on how to pray according to the example of Jesus. And that's not a bad example, am I right? Um, So let's look at the scriptures together, and let me give you a little context of what's happening. Jesus is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, started in chapter 5 of Matthew, and here's the deal. Jesus is setting the tone for the culture of the kingdom of God. In chapter 5, he spends a lot of time talking about what is it like to be in the kingdom of God? What is it like for us to exhibit the characteristics of being a disciple? And then in chapter 6, he flips the script. And he's talking about three things. He starts in chapter 6 talking about what is our tenor and our attitude to give in generosity? What should that be like? The second thing he does is he starts to talk about prayer. And what should we do and how we should pray? And that's where I'm going to focus my time. He ends the chapter talking about fasting, a particular type of prayer. Luke chapter 11 illustrates this as well. And it's a different account where one of the disciples comes to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, um, can you teach us how to pray Like Paul, or I should say, like John taught his disciples. And Jesus, absolutely, I would love to teach you how to pray. And he uses this same prayer. So run with me to the text. We're going to start and pick up the story in verse 5. And we're just going to walk through verse 5 through verse 15. Here's what it says. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, And on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, notice what he says. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Here's the first takeaway today for those that are taking notes. The purpose of prayer is to reveal God's glory. The purpose of prayer is to reveal God's glory. Jesus is in the midst Of getting ready to take out a can on a group of people in this text. It was the Pharisees, and many of you uh, have been around, maybe church, you have heard of the Pharisees and you've heard about their mannerisms, you've heard about the ways in which they would oppress people by their knowledge and not their lifestyle. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be like those hypocrites. The people who are using 50-cent words and and praying on the corners and making um, themselves known, they're getting their glory. And wherever you see in the Bible the words truly, you just need to make sure to outline it. Truly, Jesus says, they've already received their reward in heaven. Hypocrites, and that word translated, it actually comes um, from Greek theater, and it was people who would wear masks— to conceal their identity. The text is a little too close to home right now in our lives. Um, it's not a political statement, just saying it was a mask. People would hide their identity. But in the New Testament, hypocrites were individuals who said one thing and did another. They were not consistent in their lives, they were not consistent in their practice. And Jesus says, don't be like that. But there's another part that Jesus mentions that I particularly love. He says, don't be like pagans and be praying for a long time using big words. I just love that. If any of you are irritated with people who pray a long time, Jesus is too. He didn't pray a long time in public for other people to hear and see what he was doing. We'll find out in a little bit that Jesus actually spent significant amounts of time in prayer, in solitude much power it because it was because he had much prayer in his life but for some of us we like to show off our study notes and we want to pray these elaborate prayers out loud and jesus is saying that's not necessary see prayer is not for you only prayer is for the glory of god to be revealed through you the reason why you Pray is not for your personal requests. The reason why you pray is so that God's glory will be revealed in your life as you pray. There's a huge difference. And as I think about prayer in my own life, at times, prayer would be a list. I'm coming to God with things that I'm asking God to be in agreement with me, as if God needed my agreement. Uh, that I'm asking him to do it for me. And God is saying, you don't need to be eloquent. You don't need to be long. You just need to be sincere. I love how you all responded over this last week. And many of you took the poll online. And if you didn't get an opportunity, go to willowcreek.org on any of our socials. And you shared with me challenges that you have in prayer. Some of you said, man, Ed, I just get tired and I fall asleep. For, for others, it was, I don't know what to pray. I, I feel overwhelmed. Uh, for others of you, I wonder if God on the other end hears me. Well, I love that Jesus gets into this because he starts into the prayer and brings us to our second point, that prayer is an invitation for relationship with us. Prayer is an invitation. Look at verses 9 And 10. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus starts with community. He says, Our Father. I love that he didn't say, My Father. But he said this because if you have said yes to Jesus Christ, you're a part of a bigger family. Whether you're online or you're in person, you are a part of a greater family that God has wrapped his arms around you. And Jesus uses this language of son and daughtership that you are a part of a family. A good father knows the needs of their children. And right there, I lost some of you right there because for some of you, you said, uh, Ed, I, I don't know what a good father is. I, I, I didn't experience a good father in my life. I, I don't know if I can trust a father. Jesus says, our father, because you have an identity. And he says this word, hallowed, be Thy name. I don't know the last time that I used the word hallow in a sentence with anybody, but it's a word that's translated means to make your name holy. We want to make the Father's name holy in all the earth. He's saying, if you pray, why don't you begin with praise and thinking about the goodness of God? I was talking to one of the staff in between services and we were talking about how amazing it is when we as a people begin to just praise God. God, I thank you for your goodness in my life. I thank you for a reasonable portion of health and strength. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to come to you in prayer. I thank you for forgiveness of sins in my life because I know who I am and I know who I used to be and I know who you want me to be. God, I thank you for who you are in my life. Anybody else can relate to that? You just get wrapped up in praise and making God's name holy. When people look at your life, do they see God's name being raised high? Do they see the glory of God through your life? Or do they see a person that brings attention to themselves? Do they see a person who takes away part of God's glory? Reflect on what it means to raise his name high. This is the reason why that we have ministries in our church that reflect the glory of God. This is the reason why we have compassion and justice. This is the reason why we pack seeds. This is the reason why we have prison packs that we give to families that we want to glorify the name of the father in the earth because he loves people. That's the reason why we do it. Not for Willow Creek, but for the glory of of God. Jesus continues, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is when the prayer gets real personal and messes me up. Your will be done. See, I, I'm a planner. Anybody planner? I like to think years out. I like to pray in agreement, asking God to, to, to solidify the plans that I have for 2028. I, I know that only three of you are like me, but for, for the rest of you, y'all just keep praying for a brother. But I, I love being able to pray and be strategic. But when we pray Thy will be done, we're praying that God's will will become our will. We're praying that God's will would become our will. And you might say, Ed, what's God's will for my life? What is God's will? Well, thank you. It's not a secret. God's will is God's word. It's amazing what happens when you read God's word. You start to hear and see what his heart is. And when you begin to see what his heart is, you begin to have your mind shaped and your will becomes subservient to his will. But the second thing that happens is we are praying that God's will will prevail over all of the earth. We're praying right now, it says, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus would not have said as it is in heaven if his will was already present on the earth. We have a problem. We have a disconnect And I'm so glad that I'm at a church that we're not just here worshiping God and waiting until Jesus comes back. We want to be a part of a movement that brings God's glory now on earth as it is in heaven. Do you agree with me? There is so much that God desires. And here's the chief thing he desires. That his son's name would be made great in all the earth. That as you volunteer, as you connect with your neighbors, as you take time to pray for your leaders and for your small group leaders and for one another and for your neighbors, God's name ends up being glorified because his chief means is to use you to bring his glory in the world. That's why we serve. That's why we get involved. It's not out of obligation, it's out of reverence to make God's name glorified in all the earth. I love the way that many of you have been praying over the last month. You might remember the last time that I was with you, uh, we were talking about uh, what would it look like for us to, pl- to pray at 242. You guys remember that? How many of you just took that challenge and, and just put an alarm on at 242? Yeah, just people all over. Let me share with you some of the things that you said online to us that God did. I was praying for healing, Pastor Ed, for a cousin and a dear friend. And both of them are now cancer-free. We could just give God glory for that. Amen. I'm praying for friends who are wrestling with infertility. Another family said, we decided to make our whole small group join in. And so we all took 242 and we put it together and we prayed over the last month together. Another person said that they prayed this bold prayer, that God would cease the violence In the city of Chicago, that the murder rate would go down, that the shooting rate would go down. Because we know that in heaven there's peace and joy and and there is not any strife. And this person was saying, we prayed and asked God that he would reduce the level of violence in the city of Chicago. Get this one. At 242, Ed, I pray every day at this time that the Holy Spirit would move in big ways in our church. And this is so crazy. I just prayed at 2.42 now because I've been feeling anxiety today, but I had no idea about this post. And then for me, I've been praying a number of things, 2.42, and I was on vacation, and we received a text. My niece that I told you about that had been in a coma and had not um, taken a step took her first steps, and they sent a video of her in her room with the caretaker taking her first steps. (laughs) See, I believe that God hears prayers. We we do not pray to an absentee landlord. We pray to a God who is here, and he hears us. But there's a tension that each of us runs into. See, the reality is that many of us like being with Jesus, but we don't like being shaped by Jesus. We we like being with Jesus, but we don't allow Jesus and his word to shape us in our prayers. And I want to invite you, we serve a gracious good God, allow him to shape you, which leads us to the third point. Prayer is both provision. And it's also protection. Listen to verses 11, 12, and 13. It says, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven other debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The prayer changes from glorifying and magnifying God to petitions that are personal. Most of us, under the sound of my voice, do not struggle with knowing where the next meal is going to come from. And so oftentimes we just skip through this. Give us this day our daily bread. But I want to challenge you. If there's anything that I've learned over the last two years during COVID is that absolutely nothing is promised. Absolutely nothing is promised that we give God thanks for what He is doing in the earth. We give God thanks for the resources that He provides. We give God thanks for our meals, not because they are expected, it's because they are a gift. And then Jesus goes somewhere that blows my mind. He goes to forgiveness. The reality is this, we as Christians, we have a daily battle with sin. We, we wrestle with being like Christ. And for some of us, we pretend as if we do not have sin in our lives. And scripture is very clear that that's not helpful for you and it's not helpful for the glory of God. It is because of the sin that you have in your life that you need forgiveness. That is the greatest need that we have as believers. But then Jesus turns it around. If you decide to not forgive, you yourself will not be forgiven. I didn't make that up. I know you guys thought I did. I I just want to show you in the text so nobody throws any rocks at me after the church service. If you're online, you're under the sound of my voice at any of our campuses. The greatest thing that we can do in the world today is forgive. Why is that so significant? It's because of point number four. Prayer is a mirror to our soul. Prayer is a mirror to our soul. Jesus mentions six times in these verses About forgiveness. Look how he ends it. Verse 14 For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Let me ask you a question Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to forgive? Just like a Sunday like today, I had someone come down the aisle. It was communion Sunday. And the lady came to me and said, Ed, I know you just set up communion. I need to talk with you now. (laughs) Okay. Uh, what, What is the issue? I need to ask you for forgiveness. I don't like you. Shocking! and awe, you don't like me? I mean, come on. I mean, she said, there's nothing you've done to me. I just, there's something in me, in my heart, and I just, I need to ask you for forgiveness because I don't want this to stand between you and me and the Lord. Is that not beautiful? It's just amazing, yeah. It's amazing. At all of our campuses, please don't just have a Portillo's line coming up to your campus pastor. Uh, after this sermon. But here's the real deal. She had it in her heart. She knew that I need to get it right. I ask you and I humbly beg you, Willow Creek, for our church to be the church that we want to be, we need to be known as a church of forgiveness. Not just receiving it, but giving it. Amen? Amen. It's a hard word, but it's a true word. This is the final thing I want to leave with you today. If you don't remember anything else, this is our truth for the day. That prayer is not just a conversation with Jesus. Prayer is an invitation to be formed by Jesus. Prayer is an invitation to be formed by Jesus. Whether you are new to Christ and just beginning to pray, whether you've been walking with Jesus Christ for a while, the reality is prayer is an invitation to be formed by Jesus. So what would it look like to take a next step in prayer this week? I mean, what would it be like if we could do something together to take our next step in prayer. Well, I want to invite you to do just that. Tomorrow we're going to begin the 21 days of prayer. We have people all through our church and staff that are going to be leading us. Um, Scott Woods, our campus pastor from South Lake, love you, brother. He's going to be leading us tomorrow. But here's the deal. This is all you need to do. Take out your phone. And just go to willowcreek.org. We've done all the work for you right on the homepage. You can see 21 days of prayer. You click that, you'll get the guides. You'll get all of the details. We're just going to have a devotional time together. Our entire church, partner churches, we're joining in because we believe that when the church prays, great things happen. Amen? Great things happen when we pray. So as we prepare to close, I want to share a story with you. I was reading from Richard Foster's book, Prayer, Finding God's Heart's True Home. Finding the Heart's True Home by Richard Foster. And he shares this story about um, Jean Veneer, he was the founder of the Liarge Communities, and many of you um, may be familiar with these communities because they work uh, with the mentally challenged. And he shared something that was so powerful that I wanna share with you as we close and then pray a prayer over you. He said, when I work with people that are in our communities, I want them to know about the love that God has for them. And I I imagine a bird in my hands that has been wounded. And so he cups his hand like this and he says, in my hand is the bird. And if I open my hands, what will happen? Well, of course, the bird will fly away and it will fall and it'll die. Then he says, well, what will happen if I took the bird in my hand and I clasped it tightly and everybody's oh don't do that the bird the bird will die he said that's why I hold the wounded bird in my hands and cup my hand because when I cup my hand I protect the bird and the bird doesn't die It has an opportunity to grow. My friends, that's what it's like in our lives in prayer. God allows us to be in his hand, to be shaped by him so that we can be more like him. So as we're on this journey of a life without breathing, I want to pray a prayer over our church as we close. In a few moments Um, Our campus pastors will be coming up, leading us in a time of remembrance. But I want to end with a time of remembrance and pray a prayer of rest over your souls. If you would, bow your heads with me as I close in prayer. Blessed Savior, I'm not good at resting in the hollow of your hand. Nothing in my experience has taught me this resting. I've been taught how to take charge. I've been taught how to be in control, but how to rest, I have no models, no paradigms for resting. That's not exactly right. Jesus, when, when you walked among the Jerusalem crowds and in the Judean Hills, you, you pioneered this way of living. You were always alert and alive you lived utterly unresponsive to the will of the Father. Manifold demands were placed on you and you still worked in an unhurried peace and power. Help me to walk in your steps. Teach me to see only what you see, to say only what you say, to do only what you do. Help me, Lord, and help us, Lord, to work resting and to pray resting. I ask this in your good and strong name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, Will.